If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. It's time to get ready for the Tennessee Titans if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars. Back at work today. I got a strange question today that we'll get into. It seems like a very dumb question. Do the Jags have to play physical to beat the Titans? I'll tell you where I'm going with it in a little bit. Brett Martin, Austin Lane, Coos. Hey, was that goaltending last night? That I mean, was a good what? block. Oh, yeah, that was a good block. Yeah. I mean, look at that clean block, but you see that? No, I mean, the still image of it? Listen, I understand that you've never lived your life uh, above the above the rim at all. And then that's okay. <laughs> and then that's okay. Have not. And then that's not a big deal. But I'm just saying that was a legit block. I, I thought so, too. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the great if, thoughts of all time. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, it was tremendous. But imagine, when you look at that. Imagine if they called that goaltending, though. How would everyone be reacting right now? The crazy thing about it is insane. In, in video, like in video form, obviously it looks as clean as heck, right? Oh, I mean, we were talking 4K. And but then like on Twitter late last night, I'm seeing the still shot of it. Mm hmm. And I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't even see that. Like, that didn't even cross my mind. Mm-hmm. And then I watched today again because I'm like, hey, before Ty went to school, I'm like, hey, watch this. Is this goaltending? And, like, like it's not goaltending. In live action, it doesn't look like goaltending at all. So he does, hasn't even seen the still picture of it. But yeah. you've got to see the still image see, to kind of wonder. You can't go if, off stills, Brent. You can't I'm just do saying that, man. that's what you have to do. But So yeah. by rule, would it have been? No, I mean, like I said. Is hand in the cylinder? It wasn't goaltending. N- enough said. I mean, Coos, you might disagree with me, but I don't no, think it's goaltending. No, no, I, I agree with you. I, like, I saw the I saw the photo you're talking about. His hands like right over the rim. But to me, like, I almost feel like it sounds bad, but I almost feel like that's okay when it's a dunk because they're going to literally like put it in themselves. Their hands going over yeah, the yeah. cylinder too. So. Well, it sounds like to me, you guys are saying it's such a good block. So who cares what the rules are? That's what you guys are saying. No, it's saying that if you watch the video, which I mean, that's what the the refs have to watch. Like the refs don't just say, "All right, now let me go ahead and see a zoomed up, cropped out version of his hand right there above the rim, and let's freeze for a second. No, like they watch the video, and the video that I watched made it appear that it was not goaltending. The other question could be too is, did you lose some money last night? What's up with this? No, no, I'm okay. okay with it. I just bring it up. I think it's a fair question to I got ask. You. All right. I got you. Uh, and by the way, if this was Larry Bird Celtics, I'd be raging right now. <laughs> but, but if that was Larry Bird right there, I'd be raging. Hey, but this Larry, is like the newsboy Celtics. Larry Bird doesn't want to drive to the lane. He was shot a three pointer. The ball could have started before. That could be like the, I think you know it what probably I mean? did. The momentum yeah. pushed it back. I think off the live action, I think it probably did. Yeah. But it, that was a great picture, by the way, too. It's awesome. Of that. Yep. And uh, it was a tremendous block. Yeah. I mean, Miami's, they're pretty good. Yeah. Bam, Butler. I'm surprised how good Bam stepped up, though. You know, like when he first came out, I was kind of like, we'll see with this dude. He's doing pretty well. They brought him in there when they, when they got him, they're like, he's going to be the guy that's going to replace Whiteside because Whiteside wasn't living up to the hype. And then the second, the second they could, they made the move and Bam stepped right in. 
kills yeah, me that the Sixers have literally created both teams playing each other right now. Right. And, well, and the thing uh, about Bam, too, is, like, listen, like, he was supposed to replace Whiteside, and I get what people say about Whiteside, but I always respected his game because it reminded me, like, when I played basketball. Like, he wasn't the best, like, scorer, let's just say, but the dude got every single rebound. Mm-hmm. He played tough. Like, he was kind of like the heart and soul of that Heat team. So then when Bam went over, I was like, this guy's going to be the guy that's going to replace Whiteside? And needless to say, he has so far. Yeah, yeah. That was one heck of a pat on the back on your basketball career right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't score Jeez. a lot of points. I played I mean, hard. I mean, the accolade was, you just gave yourself when it reminded us. How was that a pat on the back? I, I said like, I didn't score a lot of points, but I played hard. I mean, what more do you I want like from me? I like to think of myself think as you a said Nikola Jokic. Yeah. I score a lot, oh, yeah, and too. I get all the rebounds. Hey, go go, go look at the AAU basketball website from 2000, <laughs> uh, from 2000 what would it have been? 2005. Well, when they, because I, I got the all conference team or like the all tournament team, and they, they called me the the AU version of Ben Wallace. <laughs> I swear they did. I can bring that up right now if you want to see it. I'm trying to think who reminds me of playing basketball in the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> TJ McConnell. <laughs> TJ McConnell. Uh, yeah, maybe I'd take that. <laughs> it's a compliment. Yeah, he's, he's still making bank. You see, um. Patrick Beverly and, or well, more Dame Lillard taking shots at Patrick yeah. Beverly. Pettiness, you know. It's, yeah. it, I like it it's, though. That's today's athlete. Can't stay <laughs> yeah. away from it. Yeah. Bunch of seventh and eighth graders yep. at the end of the day. Yep. Uh, anyway, we'll talk Clippers a little bit. In, in oh, a bit. I can't Everybody, wait to talk about that one. I'm sure if you turned on sports radio today anywhere nationally, that's all they're talking about. Oh, so, yeah. Clippers uh, going to win that one, we huh? Won't do that. But yeah. did they just pave the way for the Lakers? Is really like. Now it's almost. You know what? The Lakers won't win because now it looks easy for them to win. <laughs> you know, well, yeah. it might have been better off having to face the Clippers. If the, if you're LeBron, yeah. you gotta be salivating at this though, because you're getting up there, you're getting older, oh, like your window's closing. This is you know, like the path is there. It, it, you know? On paper, it's a gimme. Right, right. I mean, it, it's but mm. it's not spots. But so was so, so the Clippers to beat the Nuggets. Yes, keep on sleeping. I mean, keep yeah. Kuz, because Kuz, this was a sleeper team that Kuz had. The most underrated team of the bubble was the Nuggets. Kuz called that. So congratulations on that one. How, how, how you even like reposted that video yet? <laughs> I have no idea. But I told you yesterday, and I'm going to tell you again, you, you can't sleep on these Nuggets because Jamal Murray, like for whatever reason, he's found his groove right now. And he's probably maybe the best player in the bubble. And then you got Jokic who can go probably toe-to-toe with Anthony Davis. I'm not sleeping on the Nuggets, man. I'm really not. But you, you can. And their chemistry. I, I'm telling you, there's something to the but we, uh, we actually recorded a podcast episode this morning. Driving Dish podcast. Kevin and I were Plug talking it. about how, you know, when, when it's not an average season, you can almost, well, an average season, you can almost use star power to just, like, push you through, mm-hmm. which is what the Clippers tried to do. There's, Correct. There wasn't as much chemistry. Where the Nuggets have built this team slowly and let the chemistry build and stuff like that so that then there was a speed bump. They were able to just still be together. I mean, Jokic, Jokic called him and Murray uh, their chemistry like they're a couple. Yeah, is what he said. No, you're absolutely night. right. And the same thing with the Heat, in my opinion. Right? Like yeah. on paper, the Heat, like, yeah, you know, I mean, they have potential to be good down down the line, right? But like, I'm not bought into Tyler Hero completely quite yet, and he's doing very well. Obviously, Jimmy Butler is the leader of that team. Bam but too, yeah. yeah, and Bam too. But you look at that lineup; it's like it doesn't frighten you by any means kind of like the nuggets but they play so well together that it makes up for any kind of efficiencies that they would, actually have i would even say that the celtics could be on that list too the guys yeah. are the chemistry because you look at the guys that are on that team i mean other than jimmy butler mm-hmm. 
they've been together or they started together and they've only and they've been able to work on that. The Celtics, yeah. same thing. Those guys have been together for a bit. Do, do you think with with Kemba though, like does he kind of feel like the black sheep sometimes of the Boston Celtics? Just yeah. like the way they run that offense, then he's yeah. in there. You can see it. I mean, sometimes yeah. on the scoring sheet, he doesn't yeah. he doesn't show up. Have you guys hijacked the show? You want to keep going? A bit. You brought it up, and we haven't talked about the big story of the Nuggets winning last night, but that's okay. We'll get on that later. Yeah, maybe a little later. The big story is I had to Google Michael Malone. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize, too. He, he was uh, an assistant at Providence. How about that? Nice. It goes all the way back. Yeah. Here we go. I'm rooting for him now. Absolutely. I didn't even know. I was in college at that time. I didn't know who the heck that even was. I had no idea Providence, where that guy probably. came from, man. I, I had no idea whatsoever. It's an interesting path, yeah. actually. He was a college guy for a long time and then transitioned into the NBA. Uh, and has been there since 2015. Yeah. Never. <laughs> and this is the Nuggets. I, swear, I did not know. Yeah. He's been Nuggets there since 15. First uh, Western Conference since Mellow. 2009. Wow. This is oh, like yeah, a, this this, is like yeah. a yeah. Denver. They lost the Lakers, by the way. ESPN yeah, 690 Denver. Let's, let's just get it in, man. ESPN 690 Denver today. It, this feels like it. Yeah. Can we talk about football, please? Let's get some it's football, football season. Man. Let's go. The Big Ten might be coming back. Yeah. Do you care? I mean, I care, yes, because obviously I enjoy Wisconsin. watching football. Yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy On Wisconsin. Listen, the more college football, the better. But... The Big Ten to me has been like the laughing stock of this whole process. Because you saw, I'm, I'm sure you saw the guy from Nebraska, I think it was, yeah, yeah. with the hot mic yeah. and everything. Like, Big Ten, what are we doing? Yeah, right no, now? they have been a little bit of laughs. Here's here's the thing, though. I've seen I've seen a lot of reaction today, and especially college football media guys, and then most of them probably from the southeast. What I've seen uh, in the SEC, SEC, SEC. Mm. It's like. I mean, you can pile on or you can't pile. It doesn't matter. I think the Big Ten has done. I said this weeks ago. I said, you know what? If you made a mistake, go just go make a mistake and, and turn it around, you know, and just make a decision that we're going to go play now. Mm-hmm. And so in the mistake they made, keep in mind, we don't know who's making the right call. If you, you, you can sit there and tell us right now that, oh, yeah, SEC, Big 12 uh, and, and AC, they're right on the money. Perfect. Yeah. Well, we haven't seen. We'll see. We'll see how this thing. There's a lot of season left. Yeah, a didn't lot notice. to go. Okay. Uh, what? Oklahoma already comes out of that first game and can hard, can hardly feel the team. So let's let's wait to see who's right and who's wrong. But what I didn't understand about the Big Ten is why they just bam shut the door on everything mm-hmm. and they did it so early. It didn't make sense. Uh, what this shows me is football coaches really are powerful on campus. Heck yeah. Well, and and listen, so are football players, maybe, because absolutely. they're the ones that complained and their parents complained. Yeah. That's got, they got the presidents to turn around on this. Listen, right now, is the Big Ten coming out looking pretty bad? Absolutely. Now, where they go from here, that's on them. But I think a silver line that you can take away from you know the trials and tribulations of this whole process is the fact that the next time you decide to make this monumental decision and you decide to cancel the fall football season and try to move it to the spring, maybe you should contact the players and the coaches and get their input first. Maybe you should try to make sure everyone's on the same page as opposed to just pulling the rug out from underneath the coaches, pulling the rug out underneath the parents and of the players and the players themselves, and just saying, oh, sorry, no college football. Because we saw that response, we saw what happened, and now we're sitting here. Yeah, so we'll talk a little bit about the Big Ten. Again, everybody's kind of concerned about the optics of it all. I'm not really. It's like, okay, great, you're playing. You're going to play an eight-week season. You're going to be eligible to participate in everything else. And the Pac-12, I do feel like, is a little different. And I'll tell you... We'll get into reasons why, but I think it's a different set of circumstances, it feels like, than the Big Ten, Mm -hmm. uh, at least in my opinion, uh, for a couple of reasons. So we'll get into that down the road uh, here on the show here on a Wednesday. You know, one thing we're going to look back on on Sunday, Jags had fans in the stands. How did they do? 
I'm not hearing a lot of complaints. Yeah. And the NFL was watching. And leagues were watching. And college teams were watching. The Florida Gators were there, too. They had people there, officials. So how did they do? We'll get uh, an update on the report card coming up uh, a little bit later on in the show. But when we come back, let's begin with the Jags in Tennessee. It's time to get to Tennessee. Can the Jaguars win in Nashville? And to win in Nashville, do they have to be physical and match the physical intensity of the Titans? Or is there another way? That's on the way on ESPN 690. Join the conversation, 904-362-9901, star star 690. Or you can always tweet us or share a message. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, even Twitch. We'll be back on ESPN 690. Mark, no. This is an email. Why is WWE wrestling not being shown on Friday night? Austin Lane. Thank you very much. Read it right now. Read it right now. This I could just be did. Why oh, is WWE? That's it. That's I mean, it? that's why I thought. I don't know. I mean, Roman's only five. I don't know how many sentences he can make. Yeah, Smart some, kid. Somebody but... might have proofread it for him. <laughs> Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Oh, I, you know, I don't care. I think it's all about you know the personal relationships that you build in the building. You want everybody to be able to be themselves, and I think everybody, you know, has times when they're a little more playful and mess around, and have times when they're serious and locked in. Um, and you know, with all the stuff I do, this is this is my job. This is you know what I've worked for my whole life, and it's not an opportunity I take lightly. Um, I enjoy it, obviously, at times, but you know, obviously during uh, times to work, I'm gonna make sure I'm doing that as well. That is Gardner Minshew continues to get asked about the personality he has outside the building, the business-like stuff inside the building. And you can tell this football team likes to have some fun. And uh, LaVisca Chenault said that as well today. Uh, it, there's a good vibe down there at Jags headquarters right now, no doubt about it. Uh, we can't really feel it. That's one thing about being in the locker room. I think you get that a little you know when you're down there weekly yeah you can kind of see the interactions observe it's not much we really would say coming out of the locker room but there's this overall vibe of the building is sometimes something you can feel yeah and over the years sometimes it's felt like Playing a ping pong and stuff but... well when that ping pong table got out i'm sure it was a little <laughs> more somber um but uh mitch you did you we wondered if uh, the colts would try to keep him in the pocket mm. right kind of say okay beat us from there I mean, I know he ran a little bit, and I think he had like, you know, it was 30-something yards running, and he made some good decisions getting no down, and he got sacked a couple times. And But I never really felt like he had that run-around kind of play. Mm-hmm. And I think it was more based on what the Jags were doing offensively in terms of getting rid of the football than it was that they kept them in. You know what I mean? So it, it's kind of like, all right, people said, let's see if Minshew can beat you from the pocket, mm-hmm. you know, and not get those off-schedule plays. I think that's a little bit of the book on him. It's like, hey, let's try to keep him in there. Well, the Colts kept him in there pretty much, and all he did was go 19 for 20. That's got to scratch the head if you're a little, if you're a defensive coordinator of Tennessee and everybody else. Absolutely, and it drove me a little crazy too because like one of the very first first opening statements, and I'm not who the you know who the announcers were for that game, like I, like that were calling the game on TV. Uh, I have no question, idea. I was there, so I yeah, didn't listen. I'm really I, bad I don't when it comes to it. Was. Well, one of the very My first man Andrew Catalan's on the call this week, though, okay. so you watch well, what you well, said. Well, good, because, I mean, hopefully they can do a little better. No offense to whoever that he was. Will. But uh, they opened up by saying when Gardner Minshew got on the field, was like, now keep in mind, Gardner Minshew likes to work from the pocket. Don't he, He's not comfortable getting on the outside and running for his life. said that? But the announcers, like the play-by-play guy said that. Like, literally to start up the game when he came out there. And I was like, What? 
I mean, you can go back and listen to it. I, I have the audio. I can bring it up. But, yeah, the guy is literally saying you want to keep Garner Minshew um, – for, you know, you, we want to keep him from staying in the pocket. You want him to run a little bit because he's uncomfortable when he runs. I'm like, I could have swore the last Gardner mentioned that I watched last season was all about leaving the pocket and making plays. So I'm not sure. Second most scramble yards in the league last Listen, year to Lamar Jackson. They probably didn't watch a lot of Jaguars games. Let's they were honest, watching Kyler Murray. Watching Kyler Murray, man. Watching Kyler Murray. Kyle Murray. <laughs> but with that being said, though, yeah, it, I mean. I think that the Colts on defense had a lot more problems than the Jaguars did in terms of maybe the breakdowns a little bit because the Jaguars threw some interesting formations. They had Chenault out of the Wildcat for a play, a lot of crossing patterns, things like that. And let's be honest, I mean, a pretty disciplined uh, veteran team in Indianapolis, they had some problems. They had some communications breakdowns just like the Jaguars did. So to me, the difference between the Colts now and the Titans, and you saw it when the Titans played in Denver, it's the blitzing. It's the it's the different type of looks that you're going to get because, let's be honest, Mike Vrabel is a pretty good defensive-minded guy, right? And he's got um, packages and schemes chalked up to, to whoever he plays. I mean, credit goes to Mike Vrabel last year. Kind of solved the Rubik's Cube that was the Baltimore Ravens all season, right? Nobody could stop Baltimore. That offense, um, it was dynamic. It was a juggernaut, to say the least. Well, the AFC Divisional game, I think it was, right? Yeah, the AFC Divisional game. Um Vrabel did that, you know, and they stopped Lamar Jackson, they stopped the Baltimore Ravens, and they made that offense look pretty pedestrian. So I think right now, if you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you have to get ready for exotic looks on defense. You have to get ready for blitzes and things like that. And they're going to be tested in terms of communication and also just execution as well. Yeah, and from that standpoint, again, they've got guys that have played football games in the National Football League on their offensive side of the ball. So I think that will help them out to be able to handle what they see. And then they've all played together before as well. And they've all played Tennessee a couple of times like, with Mike Vrabel as a coach. So that part of it should uh, should probably be okay. When you think Tennessee, you think, okay, it's going to be that that black and blue game. Man. Slobber knocker. And uh, you're going to be hurting the next day. And Derrick Henry epitomizes it, right? Mm-hmm. It's really interesting game in the trenches these first two weekends. The trenches are really being tested uh, for the Jags. Indianapolis was one, and they passed that test, and now this one, of course, against Tennessee. So, like, I understand there's a the physical nature to Tennessee, but my point in the question of do they need to be physical to beat Tennessee mm-hmm. is should they soften things up, finesse things up in a sense where you're not trying to play their game? Think about it from a basketball standpoint, where you basically – you want to play a slow pace or do you want to play a fast pace? And if you have a team that likes to play slow against a team that likes to play fast, well, what do they try to do? They try to slow it up. Correct. Right? They don't try to match their speed. Uh, same thing goes for vice versa, right? I mean, they don't try to slow it down, but they sometimes get slowed down. Well, Tennessee is kind of that slow down team. They want to punch it in the mouth. They want to make it a little bit of a brawl. Mm-hmm. And they want the scoring to be pretty low for the most part. Of course. Uh, and... See if you can hang with them in the fourth quarter when Derrick Henry starts breaking them off for 12, 15 yards or more. And that's what kind of happened against Denver, right? I mean, he started to get going after on carry number 28, 29, 30, 31, even though Denver had done a really nice job. So bottom line is maybe the play just gets dictated that way. That can happen. But I think of it from an offensive standpoint from Jacksonville. They don't have to fall into that trap. Mm-hmm. They could try to air it out a little bit. They could try to say, hey, Tennessee, come catch us. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. they could put their foot on the gas early rather than be super conservative. Let's play this thing close. Let's keep this close. Let's see if we make a couple more plays than them. 
And I wonder what they try to do. And we had this conversation yesterday. Would it surprise you, like, if Jay Gruden comes out of the gates on Sunday and first five plays are passes? Yeah. Because it kind of surprised us that it was handoff, handoff mm-hmm. in the opener. And I was just thinking about that more. I don't know, man. If I'm the Jags, I feel like if I'm confident enough in it, my playmakers on offense, I don't know if I'm just going to sit there and hand off to James Robbins and say, let's see who wins the trenches. Let's see if we can make it 17-14 by the fourth quarter. Although that's not a, a bad way to go because if you don't make mistakes and you keep it close, you always have a chance to win. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if the Jags should try to put their foot on the gas a little bit on the offensive end and try to get this thing up and down, track meet it a little bit uh, because let's be honest. They're probably going to have to score given this defense. This defense is not one of the top defenses in the NFL. In fact, it's probably not even in the top half of the league uh, right now. So I remember sitting outside of TIA Bankfield on a Thursday night, and we did the show from there, and it was the Jaguars and the Titans. I remember breaking that game down. We both talked about what do the Jaguars have to do to win this game, right? Because to me, it was evident that, listen, Titans are going to be good. It's going to be the same old story with the Jaguars. Uh, Titans are going to come out and smash them in the mouth. Jaguars can't respond. And, you know, it's more of what we've seen, right? Well, what happens? The Jaguars win 20 to, to 7. And I think a lot of that had to do with the short pass game, right? If it, and it, it was a little peculiar because we always known the calling card of the Jacksonville Jaguars to what? Run the ball and then pass second. And I remember saying, like, listen – you can't go toe-to-toe with the Tennessee Titans, okay? You just can't do it. Like, you, you can go ahead and preach, like, yeah, we're going to pound the rock here. We're going to play great defense. That's fine. But I hate to tell you guys, they have the better pieces to do that. They have Derrick Henry. Now, no, no offense to James Robinson. He could be great. He, he could be um, a pro bowler for years to come. But he's not Derrick Henry, at least right now he's not, right? So you like that advantage. From the offensive line perspective, I think Tennessee Titan, the Titans' offensive line is a little better, at least a little better than the Jacksonville Jaguars. So the Titans have the pieces to outman, out-physical you, and, and it's obvious. And they even did against the Baltimore Ravens last year. So I agree with you. If you're the Jacksonville Jaguars, you have to take a look at how do we counter that, right? And, and it's been so unique because it seems like the past couple games that the, the Jaguars have been curb-stomped by the Titans, they, they haven't been close games. Like, Tennessee's built to play you close. But, like, it's big plays. It's Derrick Henry running for 90 yards and stiff-arming, you know, five guys on the way to doing it. And it seems like these games get out of hand so fast when well, they're not supposed to be. So if I'm the Jaguars' offense, yes, short pass game for sure, um, and mix of the run every once in a while. And if I'm the defense, listen, Derrick Henry might get his a little bit, but I cannot give up the big plays. I have to keep everything in front of me. I have to gang tackle and then go from there. Yeah, and hope to try to kick a field goal based off last week. <laughs> For sure. Uh, Is he still on the team? <laughs> yeah, he's still Kaskowski, okay. But here's, here's the point of this conversation, okay? The Jaguars ran 47 plays last week. <laughs> the Colts ran 69. So if the Jaguars are being honest with themselves, the coaching staff, don't you almost have to go into just about every game saying, hey, listen, a lot of times in the NFL, we can keep a team under 20. you got a really good chance to win. That's kind of like the, the thinking. Yeah. Well, we might have a defense that we got to try to keep a team under 24, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we, we're going to make some mistakes. We're a little thin in our back end. We're young in spots. We're going to take some lumps here or there. we got to plan on scoring 27 every game to win. Mm-hmm. And so to do that, well, usually you'll probably need more than 47 plays. <laughs> yeah, and and the more plays you run, even if it is with the short passing game and utilizing that almost as a secondary run play, 
Well, then you have the ball in your hands more often. You're dictating play, and you're keeping your defense from getting worn out by Derrick Henry in 31 rushes. Mm -hmm. See, they're going to want to run the ball with Derrick Henry, no doubt. Mm -hmm. But does he have to run it 31 times? If he runs it 31 times, they've probably run too many plays. That's my point. If you can keep Derrick Henry in the 20s, and especially under like 25, you're probably going to feel pretty good about yourself because you're just not getting worn down, worn down, worn down. I'm not saying you're not going to give up something to him. But once he hits that 30th run, he doesn't get worn down. But you probably do. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, it will be very interesting to watch the pace of the game on Sunday in that sense. And whoever gets a chance to dictate it. Uh, uh, Jaguars, they'll have to execute to be able to dictate that. Yeah. But I like the idea of that, at least, especially after what we saw with this offense, where there should be some confidence that they can do that. Absolutely. You know, and, and from the, the defensive perspective, too, like if I'm the Tennessee Titans right now, I'm the offensive coordinator, and I'm seeing you know, that, that Colts game. I mean, the Jaguars really got beat, obviously, in the flats in terms of the, the receiving running back um, and kind of like those crossing routes and things like that, right? Well, let's be honest here. The Tennessee Titans, I don't think they really have that Naeem Hines, right? Like, they're not going to beat you necessarily receiving. Now, Derrick Henry can get a I'm ball. I'm say, man, well, they'll throw Derek, a screen at Derrick Henry well, now. And for sure, and then I was just going to say, you have to mind your P's and Q's there and make sure that you keep him contained. But in terms of, like, you know, dynamic formation, things like that, I don't know if the Tennessee Titans are going to bring that to the I table. I think it's going to be more of that smash mouth style. But you still have to keep in mind, Corey Davis came out of nowhere that first game of the season. Was that just a one-off, or is that actually now all of a sudden Corey Davis is playing up to the first-round caliber name that he was supposed to be? And then you still have A.J. Brown as well. So they have some pieces on offense, but it starts and stops with Derrick Henry. Yeah, the uh, Tennessee is interesting, and Derrick Henry can get loose on the Jags. The screen game, I, I would imagine. Tennessee saw what Indy did, yeah. and I would imagine Tennessee will put Derrick Henry in a position to run a screen or two. Oh, I mean, I mean that's got to happen. Uh, well, and even outright, like they had Derrick Henry running a little more like you know past formations now than you used to seeing from him this against the Broncos at least. Yeah. So, so it be how do you contain Derrick Henry? Because Denver did a nice job of it. He only he had three point seven a touch. You'd sign up for that. Again, I just don't think you want him having thirty one touches yeah. in the backfield. So it'll be interesting from that standpoint. If you are Tennessee. How do they attack Jacksonville? You've got a team in the last handful of years that has essentially run over the Jags, even when they were good on defense. They have run over them. They have they look like that viral radio video going around with that big kid who's like <laughs> six or seven years old. Drove himself to the game. Yeah, yeah. Rex Chapman yeah, tweeted yeah, out, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Derrick Henry's that and the other uh, the Jags are the <laughs> other guys. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's the way it's been. <laughs> So how do you do – can you outthink yourself, and which way would you attack the Jags? Because the deficiency of their team, believe it or not, based off last year, I know everybody would say the run defense. Yeah. But really the, the, the weakness of their team right now is probably their secondary because there's so much unknown. I know C.J. Henderson had a heck of a game. But if I'm looking at their team, I'm like, well, their linebackers are pretty good. Correct. Right? They've got enough guys that have played football on that front, including Josh Allen and, and got – Gotsis, who was a second-round guy. Yeah. I bet there's more respect for that defensive line from an offensive coaching standpoint than people want to admit. Sure. I'm not saying it's great, but I'm just saying. But then you look at that secondary, and I'm a quarterback, and, and I'm an offensive coordinator. I'm like, all right, we can do some damage here now. Yeah. Because what are, what have those guys done? Yeah. So how do you do it? You've got Derrick Henry, or do you go attack through the air because mm-hmm. you think, well, that's their weakness? No, no, it, it's, it's a great call here. Um if I'm Vrabel, though, and I know what my team is, that that identity will always be Derrick Henry. As long as Derrick Henry is in the game, it will be Derrick Henry. So if I'm game planning right now against the Jaguars, 
what do I know about this defense right now? Well, I know in the first half they struggled, you know, stopping the run a little bit against the Colts, but I also know that the second half there were some adjustments. They made some pretty good plays, and they shut down Jonathan Taylor for the most part, and they were pretty good at the run defense. I don't buy that quite yet, though. If if I'm Mike Vrabel, I'll know this one thing. The fact that their defense that they're playing against the Colts, at least what I've seen so far, it's the same defense I've seen the past three or four years, right? Especially at a base formation. When they're in their base, they have their big defensive end on one side, and then they have their Leo or their smaller end on the other side. If I'm Mike Vrabel, I'm shifting over. I'm going to run everything towards that Leo side. Not to say Josh Allen can't handle it, but I'm saying I might as well run to the side that has the smaller guy compared to the guy like Gostas or Smoot who are bigger. I run the opposite side, and I see if they can stop it. If they can't stop it, I run it all day. If they can, we make adjustments off that. Yeah, I'm going to be interested to see because I think you can easily outsmart yourself. And mm-hmm. a game plan can get away from you in a hurry, too. And see, that's why it almost – got to challenge – got to force the issue if you're Jacksonville. See, mm-hmm. I don't think you can sit around and wait on Tennessee. Mm-hmm. I think teams do sit around and wait on Tennessee because they're like, well, they're not going to score 30 probably against us, so we'll just stay in the game. I think you're playing right into the way they want to play that way mm-hmm. because by the fourth quarter, again, that final 10 minutes, you're probably <sighs> – <Yeah. laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, you're breathing heavy. And so I I just I'd like to see the Jags go force the issue. There's a little bit of nothing to lose in this game. Mm-hmm. I don't, is that just us thinking? I'm sure they don't think that way, but that's a there's a little bit of we're a 9-point dog on the road against a team that we haven't beaten in their place since 2013, and quite frankly, we have been obliterated at times by this team. Yeah. Let's go punch them in the mouth but in a different kind of way. See to me yeah, you really have nothing to lose. I get that. No one's really counting the Jaguars to win this game. Sure, fine. I think what, what's the spread now? Eight, nine. nine? It's nine. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but with that, which is actually said, a little though, respect for the Jags since they were an eight-point dog at home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Last week. And with that being said, yeah, it, it's going to be hard to just go, you know, toe for toe and obviously try to beat the Titans at their own game. I don't think anybody can beat the Titans at their own game. It's just not going to happen, right? But at the same time. You have nothing to lose, yes, but you have to understand if you're a guy in that locker room right now, you have to come ready to play this game. Like Mentally and physically, you're going to be drained, right? Mentally and physically, you're going to be banged up. And once again, this is probably maybe the most important game of the season because this is going to be the true calling of who the Jacksonville Jaguars are. Now, I think after that Colts game, I'm like, all right, maybe they're better than we thought they were. This game right here, though, it's going to show you what this team's made of, okay, because I don't I don't see Doug Marone getting out coached in terms of scheme and things like that, right? Like I, I don't see Doug Marone saying, "Oh, well, this is an exotic look from the Tennessee Titans." Like you don't use the word "exotic" and Tennessee Titans a lot because they just run their bread and butter. So, with that being said, you know what they're going to try to do. Now you just got to go out there and man up and try to do that, right? So, I think from a team with Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell preaching about how they have the guys that they want now, they have these cultural cart culture builders, if you will, and you know, some people want to call those choir boys, whatever. Well, we're about to see if these choir boys right now can, can take off their uniforms, bring some baseball bats, and see what they got. Yeah, a little more lunch pail impact. There's two thoughts as you're talking, because you said it yesterday, too. You really do think this is a barometer, and while I understand that, I really, I, I don't know if I quite believe it, in a sense, because is Tennessee like the only team that plays this way? I understand they're you're in, in your division. Yep. But is there any other team that you're going to run up against that you have to play like this, in this style, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so does it really dictate who you are? Does it say who you are? 
if if you can't match it. Because I don't look at the Jags right now and I'd say, man, they're a heck of a physical team. Like, no, I mean, for sure. I, I don't look. I don't. That's not my thinking. Like, yeah. I don't. I feel like they're they're not that. I, I feel like they're more. Uh, Shoot, I don't know. Uh, I mean, they're less Baltimore Ravens, Pittsburgh Steelers of old, less Tennessee yeah. Titans than than they are Kansas City Chiefs, New England Patriots, those kind of offenses where you see, I, I, for lack of a better term, I don't feel like they're physical ter- teams. Sure. You know what well, I mean? And, and this is what I'm trying to say, though. And yes, like, I just compared them to the Chiefs and Patriots. I, I, don't, n- I heard you, man. I heard you. <laughs> um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, like, listen, when they go to Cincinnati – and we come back on a Monday, or when they go to the Houston and we come back on a Monday, or even if we play Dolphins, like we could come back here and say, man, that was a crazy game plan by the Bengals or the Dolphins or the Texans. Like that was a good call for what they did. I can't say that for the Tennessee yeah, Titans. Like the Tennessee Titans aren't going to outsmart you. They basically you. are going to tell you what they're going to do. Exactly. And they're going to try to do it against you. So to me, like. That's what football is. Like, you, you know exactly what's going to come at you. Now, do you have the cojones, let's just say, yeah. to, to man up and say, you know what? We're going to stop him right here. Like, that can tell you a lot about a team and its physical and mental makeup. And it's going to tell a lot about the kind of guys in that locker room that Doug Marone and Dave Caldwell have preached so well about. Yeah, that's a good call. This is going to tell you a little bit about the character. I, and, and listen, and I'm looking right here. Like, I, I can't see another team where it's going to be like, I can sit here. Maybe I guess they play the Ravens, right? I guess the Ravens could do the same thing against them. They play the Ravens this year? Do they or not? December 20th at Raven? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Do they? Yeah. I guess. I don't Or not. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> hey, it was a long time the schedule came out, and I didn't know we were going to get there. Yeah, yeah. So December 20th playing the Ravens. We'll see what's up to Clayus. But, um, yeah, but I think besides, I playing the Ravens. Yeah, I think besides <laughs> that, though, you know, you know what you're getting, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. I'm saying. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, one last thought. We're gonna get. I'll, I'll have after the break. We're gonna get to a break. When we come back, though, I want to ask you about that makeup of the team. You know how we've been really stuck on. Okay, they got rid of the Fournettes and the Ramseys and the this and the that. By losing the identity of that old team, did they make themselves better against a team like Tennessee? I mean, we could have Fournette out there punching people, man. That would have been nice to have for I this know. game, I, right? I know Fournette obviously doesn't come out of my mind it. here. It's yeah. more about the defensive side of the ball. I got you. And uh, let's answer that question and more when we come back. Action Sports Chats on ESPN 690. Hey, yeah, we're talking Titans and Jags. Big game as the Jags try to go to 2-0. and 2-0. How about that? That'd be nice. Next on ESPN 690. I'm comfortable. I love it. Um, I love, I love having the pressure on me and I love, you know, just, I, I mean, I have to. I have no choice but to take advantage of my opportunities. I, I like the pressure. I like, I like everything that they're doing with me and I'm just going to keep taking advantage of it. LaVisca. I've got a mouthful of food right now, so you want to talk? That's LaVisca Chenault Jaguars rookie receiver out of Colorado. My bad, man. I didn't see that. Um, <laughs> I was like, Go I ahead. can have a few more planters, honey roasted peanuts. Yeah, yeah. Before we come back, yeah. no, I can't. Did you? Uh, did you uh, hear the audio clip about him talking about the celebration? Yeah. How did they, they discuss it in the huddle? I, I like that. I want to ask you about confidence. That. Yeah. That's wild, right? Yeah. Well, I, I play defense. So it was a lot to celebrate that defense back in the day. I know, but, but isn't that crazy? Like before the play, they said, "Hey, if we score, essentially. what are we gonna do?" Yeah. No, 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 not if when. Well, they said when. When we score good. good. And they they talk like that. Like that. Minshew was out getting the play, apparently. Mm -hmm. And so he wasn't involved in that. That's why he didn't really know what was going on. It wasn't in the loop. Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
he wanted to try something different, I think LaVisca did, and somebody else was like, oh, let's go with the bowling one or something. Yeah, yeah. I thought they executed that bowling one pretty yeah, well. Yeah. I know you don't love it, but they I've still it executed it well. I've, I've seen it before. No, it was, hey, execution, mwah, chef's kiss. But I'm just saying originality, yeah. Yeah, I get you. Uh, yeah. The, You know what else was re- interesting about Chenault? Is he said that the stuff they threw in there. It was just for the Colts. Well, it was that week, yeah. Yeah. It was not mm. stuff that they practiced all Mom. Oh yeah, yeah, I got you. Like they, they had he hadn't seen some of the things that they had him doing, mm-hmm. and per- repped it in camp. Mm-hmm. That surprised me. Yeah, it's one of these things called game planning. Well, right? I mean, you we've know? seen him. I feel like we saw him in practice in the backfield. I'm not saying they hadn't tried anything. Yeah, but yeah. just some of the concepts, some of the things that they did. Mm-hmm. I, I figured it was just some of the packages that you'd see him in anyway. Like I would have anticipated seeing him in a lot of those packages. Yeah. So why wouldn't they have practiced it? Well, the it, day they drafted him, I thought we'd see him in some of those packages. It, it just goes to show you, like, yeah, you saw him in the backfield in training camp, and I'm sure that had some kind of wrinkle in place of what you saw in the Colts game, but like. I think the way Jay Gruden, most offensive coordinators operate, is every single week is going to be tailor-made to that the defense, or at least the defense that they think they're going to get. So with that being said, I think that they tailored made it to what they saw last year from the Colts, and that play to LaVisca was a prime example of that. Okay, so then what What else can he do? What do you mean? Like, what, what's he going to do against Tennessee? Oh, like, I don't know. He like, did about everything. What's he going to do, throw the football? Oh, no, I'm just saying, like, maybe, like, the, the route that he ran or something like yeah. that was, you know, I mean, maybe the maybe the, the safeties, they weren't confident in the safeties, right? So you run up the middle, you tack the middle. Maybe against Tennessee, they feel more confident with the corner, so you tack on the outside. Like, just things like that. Yeah, I'm trying to think, is is there some, I get that, I understand, like, the little, uh, the landmarks they talk about where yeah. you might be on the field and all that stuff. I I get it. Seriously, we saw him out of the backfield running. We saw him wildcat. Mm-hmm. We saw him in motion as I guess he was an option, but it looked more like a decoy on a ball that ended up going to DJ Chark for a touchdown. We saw him over the middle scoring a touchdown. Saw so uh, with a really nice block the first game, the the first play of the game he, with he, James Robinson. He did. He blocked yeah. several times. Because a lot of running back, I mean, a lot of receivers don't do that. Like, I mean, we'll, we'll break it down hopefully tomorrow. We'll see. But the very first play of the game, Lavisca Chanel comes down in motion and actually seals his guy off. A lot of receivers, especially rookie receivers, don't make that play. I guess what else can a receiver do, though? That's what I'm saying. He did a little bit of everything. What, yeah. what else could we see him do? Could could we see a, a legit screen pass to him out of the backfield? Something like that? Like, is that something that a wrinkle you we see might that. see him get this Sunday? You could see that. You could also see the, the jet sweep. Okay, good call. You yeah. didn't get the handoff on yeah. the jet sweep. Didn't get the, let's call it the Debo Samuel special, the jet sweep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call. Yeah. But that's about it, right? I mean, yeah, for the most part. Unless the Jay Gruden comes out with something we haven't seen before, which you never know, man. Yeah, but Seems like they're having fun on that offense. I like, I guess what I'm trying to say in a roundabout way is I was pretty happy with the way that they use LaVisca Chenault. I mean, in my opinion, they use them in like five different ways if you want to count the blocking. Yeah. Uh, and he's going to be a willing blocker. He loves being a physical player. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty happy with the way they used him. I'm now I'm like a little intrigued. Okay, what else can this guy do? Like, what else will they have drawn up yeah. for him? And how does it fit in the offense? I, it's, I think it's like a must-watch every week is how they use number 10, essentially. No, without a doubt. I mean, there's only so many things you can do with him. But at the same time, like I think he just scratched the surface of his usage rate, right? Because, I mean, yeah, he got the ball a couple times, but I think he can even use him more. So I guess if we see a jet sweep against the Tennessee Titans, then my LaVisca Chanel bingo card will be full. Well, not, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, he... I like that. We should make a bingo card. A LaVisca Chanel bingo card? Where if he does three things, yeah, I like that. 
Yeah, that's good. Gosh, we got to stop telling our let's secrets go, let's on go, Let's go ahead and trademark that one two-hour ad. And I, I, I say trademark like I'm talking to somebody on the station that's going to do that for us, but that's not going to happen. No, not on this yeah, station. Not on this station. For us. We're all we got, man. We're all we got here. Sometimes I get told to do things, and I don't do them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. True. Very true. Yeah. Hey, let's go to the line. Steven's on the line. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. What's up, man? What you got today? Hey, not too much. Uh, I got a question for uh, how we deal with Derrick Henry. Uh, Adam, basically, if you guys agree, everybody's game last week was basically a preseason game. See what you have, shake the rust off, and, you know, get communication down, like Joe Schobert said in the media. Um, given what you've seen, and uh, we know how Derrick Henry is, what would probably be the best four men to start on the line to possibly – have a chance to stop him because he's just going to keep on running and running to wear us down. Thanks, Stephen. Appreciate it. Um, Four clones of me. I was going to say, Steve is trying to get he's trying to get that A versus B line rotation answer in. Yeah, he is. He's got. Yeah. That's like his trademark. This actually, this is the game I think that tests your the wave of defensive line maybe more than any, right? Because don't you want to keep everybody as fresh as possible yeah. to be able to, again, so, as the game goes along? That's the whole idea of this. So Devon Hamilton could play some huge snaps in this game. Sure. Guys like, I mean, Jerrigan's going to play anyway. Mm-hmm. But a little depth, especially on the interior, will go a long way here to, uh, on Sunday. Yeah, listen, it's not a bad question. You know, and you're asking if I could pick four defensive linemen right now to essentially stop the run against Just Derrick to Henry. Stop the run. Who am I taking? Um, I have to go Avery Jones with the nose technique because he showed he can more than – He's more than capable of handling himself. I think he had that, that fourth and one stop that he had. That was against Quentin Nelson, if I'm not mistaken. I I'm pretty sure, was. yeah. And, and he stopped it. So I'm taking Avery Jones for sure. Um, I'm taking Josh Allen, a defensive end. Um, go ahead and give me Gatsis at, at the big end, and then probably three technique. You know, I mean. You want Taven Bryan or Jernigan? If you had, <sighs> seriously, if you had to make a call. And, and again, Doug Marone said Taven Bryan played I well. The, the, the word out of there is Taven Bryan played well, even though you didn't notice him. Correct. You know, and that's possible yeah. at that position, right? In yeah. fairness, yeah. Like I, I mean, didn't notice the Forrest Buckner, but he might have played well. I don't know. Assuming Timmy Jernigan's is hundred percent healthy, I mean, I think that guy's a beast, man. Yeah. I, I think he, the guy playing the Super Bowl for a reason. Like he's he's really good. But listen to me though, and to answer Stephen's question here. We can't just talk about those front four. Like, in a perfect world, yeah, we put four defensive linemen out there, you shut down Derrick Henry, and it's all hunky-dory. You know, it's all sunshine and rainbows. Not how it works. I'm going to be watching Josh Jones in this game, okay? Because you talk about a strong safety who has to be capable of stopping the run. Look for look for Todd Wash to bring out a strong safety the entire game, put him in the box, and try to stack the box to stop Derrick Henry. So to me, this is a big Josh Jones game. A lot to handle for a rookie strong safety. We'll see if he can do it. Hey, were you at the stadium on Sunday? What did you think of the protocols, and how did it work? I feel like the Jags are getting pretty good reviews. We'll go a little more in-depth here this next hour. Plus, uh, fantasy football fails. Are you like me and have three guys out in week number two? Oof. We'll talk a little bit about that. ESPN 690 on the way. 4 o'clock hour coming up. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.